for all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices. Online Metal Promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. All right. All right. Well, I got a lot of stuff. Go ahead, Lou. I'll let you go first. All right. Well, we insist. We'll do. Well, two (laughs) things I want to show. Um, Wayne, I think you'll like this. So um, I mentioned to you that I just got this off Discogs and it came in. Uh, Yes. Look at that. Michael Kiske's first solo album. Very cool. Michael Kiske of Halloween. From Halloween. Oh. I I didn't even know he made solo albums. Yeah, he He did. uh, Four, I think. And the significance of this, it reunites him with Kai Hansen, uh, his former and current bandmate in Halloween, and the leader of Gamma Ray, but also a certain lead guitar player of Iron Maiden actually contributes his uh, playing to a couple of songs on this. Mr. Adrian Smith, my favorite. Mm-hmm. By the way, Wayne, I don't know if you knew this or not. No. Charlie Barfiend um, <laughs> is the producer on this. I know. What happened? <laughs> Sounds so much better on that album. <laughs> You're not a fan of the recent production. I get it. No. I wanted to show you that. And also, this came in the mail today. Oddly enough, we're talking about it today. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh. Yes. The 95 Castle reissue. Oh, oh you bought cool. the reissue. Okay. Yes, with the two CDs. Nice. What's on the second? Well, I guess you'll talk about that later. No, I could. It's not going to interfere with anything, but I mean, uh, Black Bart Blues, uh, a cover of Thin Lizzy's Massacre, um, updated 1988 versions of Prowler and Charlotte the Harlot, and live versions of The Clairvoyant, The Prisoner. Infinite Dreams, Killers, and Still Life. I think those updated ones were on that Ed Hunter video game thing. What updated ones? Yeah, they, I, I think no. I, I've got that Ed Hunter. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I threw out is. the game. I threw the game out because I couldn't play it anymore on any of my computers, but I still kept the CDs. Well, I uh, that was I a mistake. Kept, <laughs> I kept the game, but I've never. I've never played the stupid thing. I just, it's horrible. Yes, it's it's one of the worst it's video games. It, it, it makes Star Wars Battlefield, I think it is. Uh, it, it makes it look like uh, well, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. So, Well, I've never played video games. I never really got into them. I did buy one uh, at a library sale, Kiss Pinball. That was, uh, mm-hmm. that was yeah. a video game? Yeah, you know, it came in with it well, was a, I guess it was a CD-ROM. You remember how they yeah. used to make those cheap things for mm-hmm. like ten seconds? Yeah. yeah, this was the Psycho Circus era, right? I think it was right after that, um, oh. or right before it, or actually probably was around that time because they were releasing tons of stuff. The cover art doesn't give any indication what it's for. It's just got their faces, you know, with a pinball. And um, and back in the eighties, Atari had Journey Escape. I kind of wish I had that, not to play because you would you can't play that thing anymore. But I, have you ever seen it? It's so terrible. I think I did play it, and it's you know? horrible. Oh, it's horrible. The it graphics is, back then were so bad. It's um, like an ET level bad. Like actually, Tron, Tron was at least fun. ET was horrible. No, ET was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's worth a lot of money. 
Well, because they threw him in a landfill. Anyway, go ahead, Wayne. (laughs) I heard about that. Yeah, Yeah, that's it for me. They did. Uh, All right, we have an hour for this show, right? So get ready. It's about a half hour. (laughs) Oh, let's see it. I got A Night at the Opera. That's an excellent album, and if you don't like it, you suck. Go ahead. There's really something wrong with you if you don't like it. Live Killers. Oh, Oh, one of the greatest live albums of all time. Good job, Wayne. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I got this one because I have a shitty version of it, so this one was a lot cleaner. I actually like that album quite a bit so far. All winners. Some good stuff there. Queen yeah. 2. Oh, my favorite Queen album of all time, right? There. Really? Absolutely. That doesn't surprise me. A lot of people love that one. Cool. Uh, it's so over the top. I actually like that album. A lot of people dislike it, but I think it's great. And John Mutt Lang's production is phenomenal on there. Yeah, I'm right not up. too crazy about the production, but yeah, there's, there's some good songs on here. Oh, I man. Do. Evil Walks. Ugh, good yeah, stuff. Good, good song. Put the Finger on You. That's a great Excellent. one. Excellent. Yeah. The game, Queen. The game. I like that album quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. A lot of fans. This is where they. A lot of fans abandon ship, but I love that album. Right. Was that uh, before or after the Flash Gordon soundtrack? Yeah, uh, same before. year, but right before. Okay. Man, oh. Ah, holy grail! Nicer copy than I have, so I grabbed that one. As you should. And check out our cover of Atomic Punk. That's right. George Harrison. Uh, what the hell's uh, Cloud? Nine. I am a Beatles fan, but. Uh, is that oh, the one that got my mind set on you? Yeah, course, yeah. yeah. It's so it's not bad. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He was the best he, Beatle. Come on. He was my favorite. He Beatle. actually, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I think you would he's not put know that them. listening to that album. I mean, the really? guy wrote "Here Comes the Sun." That's one of the most gorgeous songs ever written. Something. You know, I, mean, why I like oh, this. I like this or, because or, uh, Jeff Lynne is involved. Yeah, he, ah, you are. It sounds a lot like Yellow, right? Yeah. Well, great production on it. Go ahead. Did you know that Frank Sinatra, every time he performed some something, he said, this is my favorite Lennon and McCartney song. Something <laughs> in the way she moves. <laughs> and nobody bothered correcting him. What, uh, would you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, George is actually watching the show. So hello, George. He'll be feeling well. And uh, Yes, yes. Our dear bass player yep. and our dear friend. And Gingolo, which uh, I'm actually doing an interview with him uh, right after we do this show with his band, Ashes Rain. Uh, he says, what's everyone's favorite Queen album? And uh, Manny just Queen said... Queen 2. Queen 2. What about you, Lou? That's a tough one. Um, I, I'm going to have to say... I don't know. For, for me, uh, not at the opera... Just be and not because of Bohemian Rhapsody, but because of the other songs. Death on Two Legs is one of the best opening tracks I've ever heard. Good stuff. Interesting. And you, Wayne? I don't think I have one to tell well, you. Well, get one. <laughs> All right, Queen Two. No, um, yeah, Queen Two. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs> oh my God, that's one of the greatest live albums. Another ever. great live album. I don't have the CD, so I saw it on record. I grabbed it. Well, that's a great album to grab. Oh album. yeah, Police. Ghost in the Mystery. excellent album excellent underrated absolutely these were all uh either two dollars or four dollars by the way yeah you're did you're kicked ass on this dude i did yeah how much did you spend if you don't mind me asking oh um just like maybe 20 bucks oh man dear lord yeah Yeah, you suck dude all right i I don't know what this is what is but that is one of his worst solo albums is it but hold on to it anyway i will i'll throw it yeah (laughs) <laughs> it was a movie he made this movie that i would not recommend yeah. um that was a soundtrack to it okay anyway. i wasn't sure what the hell that was uh david bowie excellent album dude I right never ever see david bowie albums in the uh 
That's because we we hoard them, dude. But that is worth, Apparently. and that is an original. What they call an original press, an RS, right. RCA, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. RCA. Oh, yep. Ryko Disc re-released them, right? Yes, and then they've been reissued several times since then. But yeah. And then probably the best David Bowie album. Close. Yeah. It's up there. It's up there. Well, what's your favorite? Uh, my favorite is Aladdin Sane. Really? All right. No, I like yeah, which is. Which actually is, if you break it up, it's a lad insane. Anyway, mm-hmm. so, right, a great album. And uh, another really good Led Zeppelin album. Oh, my favorite Led Zeppelin album, right there. Really, very cool. Absolutely, yeah, I love this one. And I, I have to say, my too. favorite is number two. Boy, that's excellent. They're all good except for Coda. I don't like Coda, but well, uh, Coda's like put together, but I even right. like that. Well, isn't Coda like sort it. of like their uh, like? Not not like a rarities album, but like just sort of was it was it a studio album or was it sort of like a like an odds and sods? Yeah, but it's exactly that. It's an odds and sods, but it was unreleased tracks. So basically, you're right the first time. It was just rejected tracks that weren't good enough. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of Presence. Presence was an actual studio album. Yeah. All right. I love Achilles' Last Stand. It's probably one of my five favorite Zeppelin songs. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the physical graffiti is really good. So no, it is. That, I had to grab that one again. I rarely ever, I rarely ever see those albums. I usually see the first like maybe two albums, and then after that, very hard. I did grab a three albums of vinyl. Uh, it was a Rolling Stones, Time Waits for No One, which is a compilation only released overseas. The Doors, Volume Two. It, it was one of these cheap, uh, probably not put out with permission overseas. And of course, there's only a picture of one band member on it, Jim. So as they used to do back then. And Ted Nugent, Double Life Gonzo. I won't talk Great about one. his politics, but I like his music. So. You can like a person's music and not care for their politics. I mean, I, uh, I can know. like a human being and not care for their politics. I have friends that I, you know, so I. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I am not a fan personally of David Crosby's politics, but uh I mean, geez, you can't deny the greatness of some of the songs that uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash uh, did, or you know, the Birds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can't you, you can't deny the person's talent. No, no. So, um, um, Jeff Dow says well, Hunky Dory's his favorite Bowie album. Was it? Well, it, it's hard to pick a. It's hard to pick. You know, all these is, classic bands like Queen, Led Zeppelin. There is no wrong answer to any of that. Unless you pick Flash Gordon by Queen, then that's wrong. But aside from that, you know, I did, I did. Somebody did have that that record in the yard sale, and I left it there. The Vulcan fight theme is one of the greatest instrumentals ever written. Oh, is that <laughs> the football theme? Where dee, 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 dee. I love that. Yeah. No, it's the one where you hear Voltar go, "Stand by, my Hawkman, die, <laughs> <laughs> impetuous boy." Oh well, too much. who wants um, to live forever? And Murphy, uh-huh. Murphy Full Fate is back. He says uh, he loves Bowie, Aladdin Sane. I guess he agrees with you, Manny. And uh, he also says, when it comes to making out, put on side one of Led Zeppelin 4. Oh. Two things. Uh, one, would anybody think less of me if I said that my second favorite Queen album was A Kind of Magic? No. Yes. Don't care what you say, Wayne. I love Highlander, <laughs> so the, it works for me. Um, and my, my gateway Bowie album, meaning it was the first Bowie album I ever heard, was uh, Let's Dance. Same and here. I still love that album to this day, but I got to give love to Tin Machine too. I think uh, what he did with Tin Machine was out there. I think Reeves Gabriel's is a great guitarist. 
even though I don't particularly care for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm glad to see that Reeves got in with The Cure. So he did? You know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah wow. Reeves has been the, the guitarist in The Cure now for ooh, almost 10 years. Since then. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. After Pearl or Pearl Thompson, as she refers to herself as now. Well, um, uh, was transgender or she anyway go ahead well yes transgender but still married to a woman so you know right. but to each their own right. um he, uh they brought back roger o'donnell uh simon gallup is still in the band jason cooper still the drummer and they brought in reeves and you know it's it's a pretty tight lineup now probably my favorite one since the uh wish lineup although i did love the blood flowers album why are we I talking about the cure? This is a metal show. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Tin Machine's a great band, and David Bowie, I say, had an influence in the metal genre, and we'll talk about that oh, another yeah, definitely. Day. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh. Did. Hey, there's so many hard rock artists out of the UK from the '70s and '80s that said Bowie was an influence. So, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Oh, and uh, Murphy said his last comment was a reference to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I never saw that movie. Okay. So, just over all of our heads, apparently. <laughs> I just remember Racer X covered Moon Age Daydream and they did a great job of that too. No idea. Well, Manny, would you know that? I mean, no, no, I'm, I would be afraid to hear it the way they play so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it was decent. I, I'm a Paul Gilbert fanboy. So, well, I think Paul Gilbert's an excellent guitar player, actually. So, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. But, Paul, uh, stop making those faces, please. <laughs> No, no, no disrespect to the great Gary Moore, but Gary Moore had the greatest guitar faces of all time. You know why Gary played like that? Funny story. When he was learning guitar, the action on the neck, meaning from the strings to the frets, were so high that he literally had to do that because he was writhing in pain. Oh. And somehow you applied that. <laughs> and that to, stayed with him. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? One of the best, one of the greatest ever. Love Gary. Favorite. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah. My favorite Lizzie album is still Black Rose. Oh, same here. Same here. Actually, one day we should just do an episode of naming name a band and we'll name a favorite album. Anyway, Lou. Actually on my neck as well. Um, so let's talk about Iron Maiden Judas Priest. Do the intro. Let's start it. Oh, you do want to do the intro? You want to do the intro? Yes, we want to do, do the do intro. The are intro? We are a legitimate <laughs> podcast that's available on YouTube and all streaming media platforms. All right. All right, now we officially have signed on to Rat Cellar Review. Where's his legs? Uh, they fell off <laughs> <laughs> right here. Cheap-ass Funkos. Anyways. What's up, Manny and Lou? How are you today? No, We're doing bad. great. How are you doing, Good. man? I'm doing all right. Just uh, have a little cold, so if anybody hears me uh, coughing or sees me hit mute or whatever, 
just be aware. You know what would cure your coughing is smoking. So just to help you out. Oh, I'll try that next time. All right, no problem. (laughs) My advice to you, Wayne, start drinking. Start drinking. I I have a drink right here, iced tea. Good man. Yeah, that doesn't. I hope that's iced tea. Well, yeah, yeah, I hope so too. It's been sitting there for a while. Uh, Let's see. So today. Oh, wait, should we explain what's going on with our other two members? Who cares? Uh, (laughs) Do you really care? Well, we James and Greg, we miss you. Greg, we hope you feel no, better don't. soon. And all right, and maybe you. Jay, I'll let you continue. Go ahead. And, and go. James, have fun in Hawaii. Remember, you're married, so don't roll around with any hookers. Okay, good. Let's go. Wait, I, uh, what? Roll around huh? with hookers? I said, don't run around with any hookers. Oh, yeah, no ill gun booty, James. I don't what, think what, James is going to run around with any hookers. When my wife's uh, grandfather was stationed at on. Pro. <laughs> when my when my wife's grandfather was stationed in world war ii after pearl harbor he said oh we used to make it with all the local girls it was great i'm like you're saying this to your granddaughter <laughs> but nothing he never held back miss your grandpa usually the grandparents don't you should have heard the shit that my grandfather did and, <laughs> uh but yeah we're doing uh ram it down this week because uh, last week I made a little bit of a mistake, but uh, this week is Ram It Down. And Lou, you have the other album in your hand there, so you can show Yes, that. I do. That is the seventh album from Iron Maiden, released in 1988, originally on Capitol Emmy Records' Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Um, Elephant in the Room. It's not a concept album. Oh, it's- we're going to talk about that because I thought it was, so we'll talk about that. Well, the concept dies after the fifth song. But anyway, yeah, it's a it's a loose concept album. We didn't say yeah. it was a well thought out concept yeah. album, but anyway, we'll get. The Elder the- was a better concept album, <laughs> <laughs> but the overall theme of yeah, the album yeah, kind of has a concept. It's, yeah, it, isn't there an overall theme to the album, Lou? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could say there's a theme to it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a concept album. A concept album is an album, you know, from start to finish, it tells one story. You know, uh, this, it bounces, but, you know, that's why I don't know if concept album, a thematic album, yes, but not a concept album, but Tomato Tomato. Okay, granted, it's not the Who's Tommy or Queensryche Operation Mind Crime, but anyway, we'll get to the theme too about it when we get to the album, but. Uh... And thank God it's not Operation Mind Crime too. Anyways, thank oh, God. <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, actually let's start with that album first we usually start with judas priest but since we're on the subject of uh, seventh okay. Son, let's start, start with that first all right uh seventh album released 1988 of april uh like the number of the be- number of the beast that debuted at number one in the uk charts uh the single can i play with madness peaked at number three in the uk charts uh it is a um well actually what this says here is a concept album inspired by the novel seventh son but as we just discussed it's really not a full concept uh, it was the first Iron Maiden album to feature keyboards. Unlike the previous album, Bruce Dickinson um, contributed to several songs on Seventh Son. It's also the last album to feature the Peace of Mind lineup until Adrian Smith comes back for the Brave New World album. Uh, so for me, listening back to this album, uh, Maiden really added more progressive moments, and I noticed a bit more aggressiveness, actually, in Bruce's vocals. Uh, the song, the opener, Moonchild, great opening track. I love the acoustic intro uh, that leads into that synthesizer thing and then the music of the buildup and then right onto the vocals, great chorus. Also love how they end the song going back to the intro. 
And uh, I remember seeing them perform this live. I think it was that Somewhere Back in Time tour, maybe they put this back. It was the first encore of the Somewhere Back in Time tour in 2008. Yeah. It was the opening track for their Main in England tour in 2012. All right. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see. I, I love this song so much. And I heard them start that song up. I was like, you know, very excited to hear that. So awesome to hear that live. Uh, Infinite Dreams. I remember a lot of my friends uh, used to love this song. They used to say it was like the best song on the album. I didn't, really never got that. And I kind of still don't. Although over the years, it's kind of kind of grown to like it a little bit more. I just feel like they tried to cram a lot of lyrics into this one. And Bruce seems a little bit rushed to get it all in. Otherwise, I like the song for the most part. Can I play with Madness? Uh, I used to love the song when I first heard it. But uh, over the years, I've heard them play this at almost every single concert I've been to and every live album. So I've gotten sick of it. But it is a good song. Uh, and it's a bit too happy sounding for Maiden for me. But uh, it's a good one. Evil That Men Do. This one might sound familiar. I think we covered this one, didn't we? We did. And a big shout out to uh, Jake from Skyliner, who did the vocals. Um, David from Twisted Tower Dyer, who did a killer lead. And before anyone says anything, I never have a problem with sharing the spotlight with another guitar player. Normally, it's been me doing the solos for Rat Style Review. But I am always willing to share the spotlight with someone else because you know what? The only person you should be competing with is yourself if you're a musician, not with everybody else. And David's a great guitar player, so he did a ripping solo. I was so proud to uh, be the Dave Murray to his Adrian Smith on this. And uh, Mandir was the bassist? No, that was for the uh, Alice Cooper song. Matthias Reinholdsen from the band. Um, oh, my God. it's I've lost it. <laughs> Matthias, I'm sorry. I forgot it was you. I apologize. No, yeah. Uh, what the hell's the name of that band? Uh, oh, Dead Cosmonaut. Sorry. I thought that was Mandir. No, that Mandir is uh, Frostbite, BC. Oh, for the love of God, I never know anymore. Yes, you played Dot, uh, Dead Cosmonaut on your um, that radio show that you hosted for a couple yes. of hours yes, and they I gave did. it to you. And I heard the song and I loved it and I immediately downloaded it. Really? Um, just forgot the name of the band, but uh, yeah, no. no, I mean, it was it was they're, great. They're very, played. Yeah, they're, they're an awesome band. I love them. Out uh, of Sweden? Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes, and he's got a couple was, other bands too, so check them out. Yes, and that was a great cover, so check that out. It was a very fun cover. And I don't know what you're talking about. You, I, I can show all the messages where you were like, why can't I just play the solo? Uh, who's this other guy? I mean, you're lying. You shit-sucking bastard. I did not. You did too, and, and you know, it's okay. You can admit it. Well, no. That was really me, Wayne, because I wanted to join your band, but I didn't want to share the glory with anybody. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I am, I have never in my life. I, I couldn't believe. I, well, that's all right. Well, I, it, well, just between me and you. <laughs> just between you and me, go oh, fuck shit, yourself. Alive. No, you were very happy to share the. Uh, David's a great guy and a great guitar player. So, he did an awesome you know. solo. I probably better than you would have done, but uh, he did really good. I'll admit it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do awesome. No, you you do great solos. Yeah. Thank uh, you, but you just, I'm I'm the whole point I, between just, the uh, the whole point of the the cover songs was to get a lot of people that were involved in the show, either through interviews or just being on the show to talk about albums or whatever, involved with doing cover songs. And for the most part, it worked out. But lately, it has not been working out too well. But that's the reason why, why we have some. Say that is, is is there something else that's uh, superseding that? Uh, right? Usually uh, LSD. Uh, 
Oh, lead singer's disease. Yes. Yes, that's been the biggest problem with a lot of the covers, <laughs> which is why we haven't been releasing them. But we will soon. We got a couple. We got a couple coming out. Yes. Um, with the same guy, because you know he's dependable. Yes. Hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I finished uh, even that Mando- I didn't even get to even Mando- uh, right from the intro. You know, you're hooked with the guitar melodies, which people actually sing along to during their concerts. Only gripe is I have is that um, they should have added more lyrics. I feel like there's only so many different ways you can say living on a razor's edge. <laughs> well, you could say on the razor's edge, I live. I don't know. Or... It's just living on a razor's edge, bouncing on a uh, whatever, uh, and it just keeps a repeating ledge. like a ledge. Ba- yeah, ledge, balancing on a ledge. It's- Living on a razor's edge, balancing on a ledge, yeah. Living on a razor's edge, balancing on a ledge, yeah. Living razor's on a razor's edge. edge. I live on, yes, you I know. <laughs> Sorry. But they could have added something else to that. Otherwise, it's an awesome song. Uh, seventh Son of a Seventh Song, favorite song on the album, and probably uh, my favorite epic song of theirs. Uh, love the marching type drum beats in the intro, and the way the song takes you on a journey with all its progressive influences, the speed-ups, the slowdowns, the whole outro of the song where it's just mostly guitar soloing, just works very well they could have worked on the chorus a bit more instead of just repeating the title over and over again but it works with the way it's done the prophecy i don't really go to the song that much but i actually do like it it's funny because i think the lyrics aren't as repetitive as most of the songs on the album but i think some of the ways bruce sings on parts of this song i don't care for too much but there are guitar sections where it makes up for all that the clairvoyant my fourth favorite song on the album i used to put this song on mixtapes all the time because i didn't think uh, it got too much attention uh great bass guitar opening i really like nico's drums on this one uh doing almost like a disco type beat in the chorus so one of my favorites uh and then the last song only the good die young good ending to the album not their best album closer but still a good song love the chorus it's short simple and to the point manny all right i love this album uh one of my favorite iron maiden albums uh see i thought it was a concept album i want to go back to that what would Lou, I'm going to ask you, wasn't it, or Wayne, wasn't it a concept album based on the Bruce Dickinson? Well, he said he was based on a novel that I never read, but wasn't the whole thing just a loosely based on this um, storyline of Bruce Dickinson had in his head? I mean, I don't you know, know if it was something he had in his head, but it was definitely something that he read somewhere about the whole prophecy of like a seventh son of a seventh son. Uh, at one point, they joked around and said it's about Jimi Hendrix, uh, but that well, is, yeah, doesn't mean anything. A, he definitely was a god, but anyway. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's I. I think maybe it's safe to say that they started with the concept of the title track, and they huh. built the songs uh, from there. But when you kind of piece it together, it's like, okay, Moonchild kind of detects a beginning. Right. Infinite Dreams going along the timeline of this person. Same with Can I Play With Madness. But then where does the evil that men do fits into this? Well, he, I, the guy reads uh, Shakespeare, so he had to throw that in there. The evil that men do live on and on. Isn't that where they got that from? Yeah, I, I guess the question is, like, you know, aside from certain themes being explored, such as prophecy and destiny and things like that. Okay, I get what you're getting at. There's no real storyline. Really. Right. Where's the beginning, middle, and end? It seems to be like uh, snatches of this character's life or experience. Right. For, um, yeah, I kind of agree. I'm just looking over my notes. 
evil that men do really doesn't fit into that. Um, really, that kind of throws it. You're right, because lyrically, it's more like an observation, you know, living on a razor's edge, balancing on the evil that men do live on and on, which really doesn't fit in with the concept of the prophecy of the clairvoyant or the moonchild or the title track or any of that. So, so yeah. there's a, it was an interview here and it says, uh, yeah. basically, it was a half of a concept album. There was no uh, attempt to see it all the way through like we really should have done. Seventh Son has has no story. It's about good and evil, heaven and hell. But it, it's but isn't every Iron Maiden record about that? So it's in a way, yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, yeah. really, if you if if you think about it, the only concept that Maiden ever really had was the story of Charlotte the Harlot, mm. which started with the song itself off the debut continued on number of the beast was 22 acacia avenue and for argument's sake you could say that uh hooks in you of no prayer for the dying and from here to eternity of fear of the dark is a continuation of that saga but do we really want to include those two <laughs> hooks in you oh lord what do we really want to, to include no. that uh, but as murphy oh, says uh, king diamond merciful Fa- um king diamond fatal portrait was a concept album that went half uh you know concept and then the rest was like you know story you know single songs or whatever well that yeah. was king diamond with that yeah. would be his uh, stock and trade with even did that with the spiders lullaby too so you know it's yeah. the same thing i but, guess if you really wanted to make it a concept album you should have just ended it with clairvoyant hmm. but would that have made a good closing it still wouldn't matter because like like manny said even that men do don't really fit into anything yeah, I guess so. I guess it's a concept it's, album and theme. It's very, a theme of very loose of concept. Yeah, because I mean it. I guess when we think of concept albums, we think of the Who, Tommy, Queensrÿche, Operation Mindcrime, King Diamond, Abigail. I should be, you know, they're kind of storylines. There's no real story here. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of started it with Moonchild. Infinite Dreams kind of continues it. Can I play with Madness? doesn't really fit i mean i guess it does but you know anyway i don't know i i guess i'm gonna have to agree with you guys it's very very loose concept there's you know? only one way i could really see this being an actual concept Which if is? you switched evil that men do with only the good die young but then again only the good die young ends the way the album begins yeah you know, with the acoustic intro Right. So, you know, either make that its own track uh, or maybe put it at the end of Evil That Men Do. Either either way, you know what? We got what we got. And Good album. I don't need a okay. concept. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe, right. it, it doesn't maybe a full have concept, to be a concept album yeah. to enjoy it. A full concept actually might have ruined the whole thing, to tell you the truth. If not done right, it, it could have been. Well, yeah, system. because I think a lot of bands, I'm not talking about Art Maiden, sometimes they'll feel like they have to write a little piece of music or a little lyrical thing in there to thread the thing together and sometimes it just sounds thrown in there awkward you don't have that with this album on a musical front i like the use of keyboards because they don't overdo it who plays keyboards on here i don't have the album in front of me well adrian smith is uh credited with synths okay uh, live it was michael kenny who is uh steve harris's bass tech in fact when the figure comes up during the keyboard section of the title track when they did it on the 
Seven Sun Tour and the Made in England Tour, it was yeah. Michael Kenny in costume as like oh, a okay. phantom looking character. Okay. So, but it's Adrian Smith that plays it on the album for the most part. Yeah, let me confirm that. Keep okay. talking, Manny. All right. So, um, musically, I think it's great. I think it's probably their most melodic album. Um, and it's melodic without going into the pop territory, certainly not glam. Lyrically, I think it's the strongest album. And when Bruce Dickens is uh, Bruce Dickinson is focused, I think he does his best work. Yeah. As we go along to the next album, we'll see him get unfocused and, you know, on a lyrical level, musically. I think his vocals are great on here. I'm a little sick of Can I Play With Madness, but Wayne, you had a you had a good point about the vocals on there, a little more aggressive, especially in that song. Mm. Uh, you're right. Uh, musically, it sounds a little more upbeat, but I think his vocals kind of contrast that, and I think that's why it works so well. Mm. Overall, I think it's a great album. The production is probably the best production they've had up to date, in my opinion. And it's really all I've got. I haven't listened to this album in a long time, so it's kind of cool to revisit it. And by coincidence, I bought it on vinyl like four weeks ago when I saw it cheap um my cd sounds better but anyway it's, it's still a great album anyway go ahead lou yeah so adrian smith did do synths on it and steve harris did bass synths which meant he probably did bass pedals like four pedals while he was you know just to thicken the uh low end sound more yeah um yeah, that's all i got i didn't really care for the prophecy song it's not bad but it, it's one that it's not bad, but it's like, it's like a forgotten maiden song. Yeah, and I, I forget it until you mentioned it. Yeah. I forgot about it. Moonchild's an excellent opening. Clairvoyant might be my favorite song on the album. Um, Seven Son of the Seven Song, the title track. I like it. It's a little, I don't know how Bruce Dickinson sings. It sounds a little awkward, but it works. Um, was Dickinson the main lyricist to this album, right, for a change? Is that correct, guys? Yeah, he wrote a lot of lyrics off of this one. Because he yeah. didn't have any writing credits on the last album. So so Dickinson's name is credited on Moonchild, Can I Play With Madness, The Evil That Men Do, and Only The Good Die Young. Um, Harris is sole credit on Infinite Dreams, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and The Clairvoyant. And he shares co-writing on, well, every song except Moonchild. <laughs> And Murray's only contribution to it is uh, the clairvoyant, not the clairvoyant, I'm sorry, the prophecy, which, sorry, Dave, you got the short end of the stick on this album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easter, yeah. That's all right. Uh, Jeff Dow Adrian says, uh, Moonchild, is... Oh, is a, a, Moonchild is a novel by Alistair Crowley. And uh, he also says uh, he agrees with uh, Bruce Dickinson is fantastic on this album. So. And by the way, Adrian Smith is like the secret <laughs> weapon to this band. He is such an underrated guitar player. Yes, and, and when he both of those him, men are, but he definitely is just is just a phenomenal, phenomenal guitarist that doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. I um, agree with you. He's the only guitar player that I own a signature model guitar of. His uh Jackson um uh Sandimus um Quilt Top X series which is made in Indonesia, not the United States, but the quality of the guitar is superb, actually. You can see me play it in uh, a bunch of stuff that I did with Wayne for the Rat Side Review and Friends cover series. Cool. Did, you, did right. you play it on the Kiss song, right? Didn't you use it on the Kiss song? I, you could, 
I think no. I yes, no, I did it for the guitar solo on Reason to Live. And even though I'm actually in the On Through the Night video, the Def Leppard cover that we did with John from Shockwire. Yeah. I recorded this song with my Fender Strat. So. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, the Jackson, the Jackson's cool because it has the Floyd Rose and you could do the dive bomb on video with it. So. Well, cool. Hey, guys, what do you what did you guys think of the keyboard work on here on on it? I liked it. I had no problem. With it. I, I'm a keyboard fan, so I have no problem with keyboards. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even this album, but and it, it, it adds to it. the sound, you know, so I, I like it. Well, that's what I like. Oh, so go ahead, Lou. What are we going to no, say? No, go, no, I'm just saying it thickens it. That's all. I think, yeah, and that's what I like about it. You know, a lot of bands and they add a keyboards. Again, I'm not against keyboards either. Um, sometimes it seems to overwhelm the sound or, you know, they like they've got this new toy where Iron Maiden utilize it to thicken, to to broaden their sound a little more and, and it right. worked with the songs instead of against. Anyway, that's all still, I had on the album. But They still I use it, it today, too, on the new album, so. You know, it's something that they've always continued to use since this album, pretty much. But they right. use it tastefully. I, right, I don't, right. It's I don't not know. overdone. It, I mean, I, like I, we talked about Turbo last time, and I love Judas Priest. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. I even defended that album, even though it's not my favorite. But there is a case where the band went overboard, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And granted, they were chasing the sound. There was a band called Raven that did this album called The Pack Is Back. I love Raven, but of course, that might have been more record label pressure, but again, it, it, it kind of just went over the top with it, mm-hmm. with that sound. Oh. I, I bet you money was record label pressure because uh, remember when we interviewed uh, Mick Wall from Kerrang! Uh, yeah. Uh, Manny, and uh, you know, I remember telling him I love the band Mama's Boys, who were a, uh, a Northern Irish um, con- a contributor to the new wave of British heavy metal. If you listen to their older stuff, it, it's a power trio. Right. And, you know, if you listen to the album Power and Passion and every album after that, it's heavily keyboard laden because their record label Jive, who had Whitney Houston on their artist roster, told them to throw more keyboards in there so they could get more commercial appeal. Now, that is when keyboards are not used to a band's benefit. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with commercial appeal. It's just, it's got to sound right. And I love the Power and Passion album. I love Mama's Boys. But, you know, sometimes it's best to go with your gut and not listen to your record label. That's all I got to say. Well, what's disappointing about the Back is Back is produced by Eddie Kramer, who worked with Led Zeppelin and Kiss and Alice Cooper. And he was Jimi Hendrix's guy, you know. And, uh, well, anyway, that well, that's another that's a story for another day, but it's very disappointing. Anyway, Wayne, that's all I've got on Iron Maiden, unless you have anything. Yeah, I got add. nothing. It's, Lou never did his part, so. Lou? I was really intrigued by Man- what Manny was saying. I mean, you know, it's... Oh, I had him Manny, on Manny, you are a great contributor to this podcast, and we love you for it. Thank you. I didn't hear anything he said. I had him on mute the whole time. Oh. <laughs> Such a dick. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... um. Two things before I bring up uh, my opinion on the album. So I really got to credit when Derek Riggs does Iron Maiden records, um, the theme of the artwork fits the music perfectly. And this is no different. Mm. Um, The album has an overall warm tone. 
It doesn't sound compressed to hell. It, all the instruments, you can hear them perfectly. And it's like the way that it attacks you when you're listening to it. It's, 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 a, it's a gorgeous sound. Mm. And, you know, Martin Birch was such a great contributor to Iron Maiden sound. And I think a big part of their success with fans that, you know, I mean, it, it, the fact that he's not on, he's no longer with us, rest in peace, Martin, you know, it's a huge loss mm. for, uh, for Maiden. Not knocking Kevin, Kevin Shirley. We'll get to that when we get to his albums. But, you know, probably the last perfect Maiden record, I would say. Um, that being said, Moonchild, you know, the way it starts out is just the way this album starts out is just perfect. I mean, that song, just the, the dynamic buildup to, you know, I am he, you know, like the, the way when everyone comes in and, and when you watch it live, like on the Made in England concert, it was perfect. And to say that I saw this on the Made in England tour of 2012, you know, I mean, that was the um, apex of my favorite era of Maiden. So to see it live, it was it was it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, Infinite Dreams, you know, I when you hear it when it starts out, you're kind of like, huh. But then, like once it gets into the buildup, especially once the you know the instrumental section kicks in, Jesus Christ, like it makes you feel like you're Superman flying across the heavens. You know, I mean, it's it's it it I I, I love it when music takes you on a journey like that. Right. Yeah, you gotta, um, just, that's long you have to wait for it to build up to really get into it you do but it's worth it right it's yeah. it's it, it doesn't leave you disappointed um can i play with madness i love the song when i first heard it at seven years old i still love it to this day i'm not burnt out by it hmm. so i i don't feel the same way towards this that i do songs like run to the hills and the trooper and what i love about the music video i'm a monty python fanboy hmm. and graham chapman was the art teacher in the video that was his last filmed performance before he passed away from cancer and um you know the the maiden guys were huge monty python fans so it was cool that they got to have that you know the video is weird as hell but you know it's great to see graham chapman in it Uh, uh, james has joined (coughs) and he says i doubt it lou but i don't know what he's talking about since there's a bit of a delay doubt what i don't know (laughs) it's probably something we said a few minutes ago i don't know continue i just wanted to acknowledge james is not here yes in, in hawaii and remember james the sentinel sounds nothing like van halen anyways um <laughs> <laughs> um evil that men do uh i love this song honestly i was torn between that Moonchild or clairvoyant from my favorite song off the album um i'm gonna say for personal purposes and um you know, because we covered it, I'll give I'll give uh, Evil That Men do the uh, credit of my favorite song off the album. Um, Seven Son of a Seven Son. OK, so love the song. Hate the chorus. Um, this is where I kind of start falling off with Maiden when it comes to their choruses, because they could be so goddamn repetitive. Yeah. You know, like. And, you know, you you could probably think to yourself, well, what about Ronnie James Dio? A lot of his courses were repetitive. And yeah, they were. Um, I guess it's just how you do it. You know, 
Turn Up the Night, Turn Up the Night sounds a lot cooler in the context of the song that Sabbath recorded back in 81, as opposed to Seven Son of a Seven Son. Seven Son of a Seven Son. It's like, Jesus Christ, Bruce, catch a breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I meant by the awkwardness of the, the lyrics in that, in that. I guess it was the chorus I was thinking of, but yeah. Seven Son of the Seven, yeah. I bet his performance, his yeah. performance on the song is great. I mean, he's using more of an dare I say operatic tone than he normally does, you know, like he starts, I realize that's ridiculous. And I look stupid no, no, doing that. It was well, I mean, that's what he's doing. Um, but that, that uh, instrumental outro, probably one of the best that they've ever done. Hmm. Um, Prophecy. That's my throwaway track. And, and, and I love Dave Murray. Um, you know, he's made so many great contributions to Maiden throughout their career. I mean, Deja Vu being one of them. Um, I'm sorry, Dave, this is not one of your best. Love you, but no. Um, the Clairvoyant, great song. Uh, I admit I first heard it on the real live one CD. Mm-hmm. And the way, you know, it's played like the vibrato the the whammy bar it's like wah 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 it's like what that sounds like a sick duck (laughs) i'm like thank god you have the original studio recording and when they play it now they play it the way it was originally recorded right so you know that's great um only the good die young great track um again as we've just discussed it's kind of hard to say that this is a concept album it's more of a thematic album but it still works. Um, I guess you could say, and there are other Maiden albums after this that I absolutely love. And we'll, we'll get into those when we get to them. But I would have to say the, the best way for Maiden to end their, the first chapter, the first decade of their recording career, you know, what a way to go out. It's unfortunate that um, with Adrian, it was his last album before uh, him and Bruce returned in 99. Um, I, I think it was Manny who said it, but he was their secret weapon, you know? And I love what Dennis Stratton did on the first album. I totally do. And I will give Yannick, uh, you know, credit where it's due. He's made some great contributions to Maiden as well. But, you know, it's like, when adrian joined it's like when ian gillen joined deep purple it's like we got our boy you know so uh james says uh iron maiden with repetitive chorus i'm shocked hey bitch (laughs) get online right now join us yeah get on you can be on the chat but if if, if, if you if you could be on the chat you can jump on your phone and uh join in come on join in god damn it yeah fight us so, uh, by the way, I should have mentioned, I, you mentioned Martin Birch's uh, production. Yeah, it, what a great production on it. Like I said, it's a, probably the best sounding Iron Maiden album up to this point. And I forget how much good stuff Martin Birch, I mean, he started as an engineer to Deep Purple. Actually, let's be honest, he produced those Deep Purple albums because somebody had to, because those, those five men aren't going to get along, agree on anything. Mm-hmm. Um he did a couple of Bloister Cult albums. He did those classic Black Sabbath albums with Ronnie James Dio. The guy, yeah. He knows so, what he's doing. 
Yeah, he knew what he was doing. May he rest in peace because that guy was phenomenal. And that's the guy Judas Priest should have hired. Anyway, that's another story. Did he produce Burn, Manny? Yes, he produced. Uh, yes, he produced Burn. He worked with him in rock. Actually, worked from him from uh, in rock up to come and taste the band. Um, All right. Burn is my favorite Deep Purple album. So, like, just everything about the... I think that's that's in my top three favorite songs ever. So. Oh, it's, it's... Even though my preferred lineup is with Ian Gillen, that is definitely one of my top Deep Purple albums. Actually, I like every Deep Purple album, more or less, but, you know, I'm a fanboy. Anyway... No wrong with that. But Martin Birch, great producer. Wayne? Oh, yeah. All right, on the Judas Priest, ram it down. The eleventh album released. Wow, eleven albums already, on, and by eight eighty-eight. That's, That's crazy. Fucking phenomenal. Go ahead. Uh, uh, released May nineteen eighty-eight. The last album to feature Lou's favorite drummer, Dave Holland. Uh, ram or it does it? That's debatable if he's even on here. But continue. Yes, right. Uh, ram it down would be the final Judas Priest album for thirty year uh, for thirty years, recorded with producer Tom Allen. Uh, Alum, sorry. Alum would later return as co-producer to the 2009 live release of Touch of Evil. Uh, He would not produce another Judas Priest studio album until 2018's Firepower. The band recorded a rendition of Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, intended for inclusion of the soundtrack uh, for the 1998 That wasn't a rendition. That was an abortion. I'm sorry. Go ahead. uh, Johnny Be Good movie. Uh, the song found its way onto Ram It Down and was the album's first single. Although the song is credited as written by Barry and arranged by the band, only the lyrics remain from Barry's version. The music being entirely new. <laughs> um, now, this album I really thought was worse than it was, but after listening to the slow tempos and turbo, this was almost a breath of fresh air. I can even get past the drum machines on this because uh, I've given this album shit before. And actually, me and uh, Greg did a um what's that other show that we have uh screams from the grave yes you're on mute uh screams from the grave right yes, and we did this on there and uh, i think i liked it a little bit more than i thought i did too on there too so um it starts off with the fast-paced opener a priest is known for with the song ram it down then continues with another good song heavy metal one thing that i find uh that sounds strange though is the bass it sounds like a uh sounds like it's not real at all i don't think it's, it's a bass synth yeah. it's a definite bass synth uh, regardless i still like the song i think it's heavy and catchy now love zone is a terrible song rob screaming is too much on this and i hate that groove they are playing it actually sounds like aerosmith's loving an elevator just not as good uh come and get it doesn't get any better than uh, doesn't get any better this song is pretty forgettable hard as iron finally a real kick-ass song and some double bass drumming and quick guitars i like the sound effects and i really like the chorus even though the song sounds like it's missing guitars or something, it just feels empty in certain parts, almost like it was unfinished. But it's a cool song. Uh, Blood Red Sky is the best song on the album and my second favorite ballad of theirs. I like it. I like how it starts off with the wind and then the slow build to the song. They make uh, they, they made all the electronic sounds really work well together. It's a really catchy song. Uh, I'm a rocker. Another another forgettable song. Johnny be good, but this song be bad uh love you to death terrible song monsters of rock ends the album again on a bad song i believe this one had to do with the festival monsters of rock but it's just not a good song so there are some gems on this album it's just uh, it's a mishmash of just stuff 
agree i feel i feel this album just really wasn't that focused and then like we said too on the last show it was supposed to be a double album with turbo twin turbos or whatever so it just feels like it was just thrown together what do you think manny i think it was thrown together all right there's two ways of listening to an album there's as a fan so as a fan i'm a little more forgiving and would let them just whatever you know i can enjoy the album on love and then to listen to it like we're doing critically is different when you listen to it like that, it's an uh, it's a very flawed album. Let's talk about the drum sound first of all. I hate it. I hate the drum right. sound. I don't think that's Dave Holland. I don't think it's a human being. I, I don't like that the drum sound at all. The production dates this album even more than right. Ram It Down than Ram It Down is. Um, I think it's a case where these guys were they were kind of backpedaling, which is kind of strange because Turbo was an actually a very successful album. Mm. It was a very, but I think image wise, I don't, I think they like suddenly didn't like to be in a world of Bon Jovi's and Def Leppard's, you know, they, they felt like, you know, they let their hardcore fans down. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think they backpedaled. Um, the production is terrible. Ram it down the title track. A good song, again, kind of ruined by bad production. I don't like the drum sound. It sounds like uh, there probably are guitar synths, but it sounds like they kind of half listened to a ministry album, but didn't quite finish listening to it all the way. They're like, <laughs> we just like this little part here. Yeah. you know. Um, I love the song Heavy Metal, but again, the production on it is, and Wayne just left or something. Uh, no, I'm still here. Just okay. But the, uh, the production, again, I like the song quite a bit. It's catchy. Um, let's see, Love Zone. Uh, I kind of like the song, but lyrically is so stupid. Those lyrics are so dumb. Even Gene Simmons would be ashamed of it. <laughs> um, That's saying a and, lot. Come and get it. Okay, that uh, that song, they must have found it on the cutting room floor, and they go, well, we need another track. Well, we'll use this because it's totally forgettable. <laughs> What is the next one? Art is, Art is Iron. It's a good song, ruined by bad production. Blood Red Skies is the best song on here. And it's kind of a sister to the Out in the Cold song. Great song. Mm. The production works for that song very well. To combine the guitar synths and the electric drums, just perfect. Perfect. I'm a rocker. Okay, lyrically... Um, yeah, we get it. You like to rock, rock, rock. <laughs> we we were wondering that, that cheeky. After, is... Yeah. After Turbo, we had our doubts, but now we're <laughs> now we're sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, be good. I I used to actually like it because of the music video showed Moshin, which actually makes no sense when you think about what song that they're actually playing. Right. Um, I thought Rob Halford looked cool, but if you're asking about the song itself, well, you know, Chuck Berry, I'm sure, enjoyed cashing those royalty checks, but, okay, Rockabilly and Judas Priest, you know, mm. you know, that's that's like fish and ice cream. It just doesn't go together. <laughs> it, it Although I'm sure Ben and Jerry's made that at some point. They probably will. Uh, the yeah. solos are pretty good on there, but which overall, is a, it's a shame because you know up to this point they made really good cover songs. They did. They did. Oh, but I thought this, you make. I thought you were going to say Ben and Jerry made really good ice cream. Oh, they might have. I don't know. They <laughs> well, might better than 
this song. Well, that but, fish and that fish and ice cream. That sounds like something uh Oscar the Grouch would eat and I'll leave it well, at that. <laughs> ben and Jerry's fish and chips. You know, there's there's good parts to the, to the Johnny Be Good song, the solos. Um, you know, I don't totally buy they rewrote it. I mean, they kind of use the same riff, but um it definitely is a song that they covered, not because they felt to cover compelled to cover it, but because they wanted to be on some 80s soundtrack to a movie that is so shitty that you yeah. can't even find it streaming anywhere. That's how shitty it is. <laughs> uh, and love you to death. You know, I'm glad that Rob Halper was feeling a bit randy and he wants to, you know, you to focus on the backseat of his car while he's, uh, you know, getting his groove on. But it sucks. Uh, lyrically, it's terrible. Uh, musically, it's lazy. Monsters of Rock, which are trying to do a plodding sort of Black Sabbath type tune. Uh, that sucks, too. It, it's terrible. <laughs> and, you know, the reason Judas Priest are cool is because they're Judas Priest. They're not yeah. trying to sound like anyone else. But overall, this album is definitely, I think they're unfocused. I think there were probably internal stuff going on. And I think they felt they need to make an album so they go tour or something. But it's it it just sounds unfocused and i don't believe any of the songs survive on the set list at all maybe heavy metal might make it once in a while but i doubt it overall disappointing album at the time i like it and i still like the album better than it sound than i make it sound but it's still disappointing and i think it's the most dated album worst production worst lyrics and worst cover tune um so overall disappointing it's interesting Blue? you mentioned uh, ministry earlier on and now that you say that i'm like it's kind of almost uh industrial it does have parts of it like uh heavy metal yeah. um not love it to death but uh loves uh, unfortunately he's got that sound to it um there's a few tracks on there um in a way it's cool they're looking forward but they don't look forward enough and i wish they had concentrated on songwriting and you can tell Halford's just not into it because love it to death. I hate to keep focusing on that, but here's an intelligent man writing lyrics that if this was Kiss, we'd be, oh, yeah, whatever. But it's mm. not Kiss. And I'm yeah. not putting down Kiss. I like Kiss, but. Yeah, coming from their previous work and the things that they wrote, the lyrics that they wrote, the music that they wrote, this album just, you know, it's, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's their worst album. Uh, yeah, definitely definitely their worst at least until we get to the uh no it's the worst one well we'll get but it's it's definitely actually i would give it its worst album at the uh, second album with ripper owens didn't exist which i can't yeah i I forgot you know what i forget about that one sorry so there might be a tie (laughs) (laughs) yeah lou um to um answer the uh statement they made before uh manny the only song from this album that survived the set list was blood red skies um it was performed on the epitaph tour and it actually made it on the third leg of the uh north american uh firepower tour um other than that songs that were performed on the ramadown tour died with the ramadown tour they never performed any of the songs from this now um Looking at the lineup of Twin Turbos, where if you, you know, it's 
tracks one through nine right. of Turbo. Um, the second disc would have consisted of All Fired Up, Red, White, and Blue, Prisoner of Your Eyes, Turn On Your Light, Ram It Down, Hard as Iron, Love You to Death, Monsters of the Rock, Heart of a Lion, and two unreleased tracks, Under the Gun and Fighting for Your Love. Um, I think Twin Turbos would have been a better album than Ram It Down. By far. By but far. Turbo itself stands alone as a good album. This doesn't. The only song from this that I put on any playlist is Blood Red Skies. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best songs Priest has ever... I, I don't like saying best stuff. It's one of my personal favorite Priest songs. So I make sure I put it on every playlist I make of theirs. Um, to, uh, Big Evil Pops, by the way. He just joined the chat. Cool. Um, that's... Um, Paul. Uh, that's right, Paul. Hey, Paul. Paul Nur, how you doing, buddy? Um, yeah, so Blood Red Skies, I'm glad it's the only song that survived from this album. It's the diamond in the rough of this album. Um, the production's got awful. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, there's a lot of industrial bands that I do like. You know, I, I, I love Nail, Nine Inch Nails. I love Stabbing Westward. I, I used to love Ministry, but I'm not really keen on any album of theirs after Psalm 69. Um, and, and, you know, like, if, if, if you really think about it, I mean, to me, Fear Factory really blended that perfect industrial meets, like, death metal type sound with clean vocals. So if you want a better electronic-based metal band, check out Demanufactured by Fear Factory. You won't be disappointed. You'll be disappointed by this, though. Um, that's not Dave Holland on drums. That is a drum machine. He and I don't even play think it's... At least on one or two of the songs. Doubt oh, it. does not. I doubt no it. No way. I don't no even way, think that's Dean Hill on bass. No, I Dean really Hill definitely not. Seen... <laughs> you know, and... Um, it might and the album suffers Johnny for it. Good. But no, I don't even think he plays on that. That's an electronic drum on Johnny B. Good. That is. I, yeah. The album suffers because of it. Hmm. Judas Priest is meant to be a five-piece band, not Rob with the two guitar players and the rest is all electronic. You can't do that. You know, Rob tried doing something more industrial in 98 when he came out with the uh, Voyeurs album from his Project 2 with John Lowry, John 5. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work. Ooh, very so, shocking. Big, Big Evil Pop says great album. And while you're talking about Ram It Down. Yeah, we already moved past Seven Sun, dude. We already spoke about it. We're talking about Ram It. Uh, <laughs> well, you might Ram like, it there's down. a lot of people that like Ram It Down. I don't. Well, good for them. But, but when you listen to are. it, like we're listening to it closely, it's just really flawed. Yeah. It yeah. was hard for me to listen to it again. Like, I just wanted to hit skip after like the first 30 seconds. It did nothing for me as a fan. One thing I love about Priest is their guitar tone. Not a fan of it hmm. on this album. Just there really I, is no real strong guitar. T- I didn't even think of mentioning that. Um, even oh, he, the song he meant, Heavy uh, Metal he that I like, you know, even the song Heavy Metal, I like, you're right, Lou. It's kind of almost flat, isn't it? Taking out, it, it is. Taking out like this, Seventh Son, where the guitars sound like they have like that warm tone. Yeah. You can hear the notes, you can hear the fluidity. It sounds mechanical on Ram It Down to a point where it's just like, 
it's hard for me to enjoy them. That's the thing you know? with Priest, though. With every album, they always ex- are experimenting with some new guitar tone, some new guitar pedals, something. And that's, that's fine. That's fine. But that's the that's the one main problem I have with Priest because they're always, like I said, they're always doing something different. And usually, guitar tones they sound like chainsaws or just they don't sound like real guitars a lot of the time. Well, think about the albums that this one are sandwiched between Turbo and right. Painkiller. Right. I like those guitar tones. I don't like them on this album. Hmm. You know, and 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 me as a guitar player, I listen to that and it bothers me the way a dog whistle would bother my shih tzu, you know, <laughs> and I'm being nice about it. Hmm. Um Blood Red Skies is the only redeemable track. Johnny Be Good, Jesus fucking christ no thank you um you know a a bad attempt at writing not even writing covering a classic for a movie with brad packers that people forgot about as it came out (laughs) um yeah no probably the worst priest album since rock and rockarola and i liked rockarola is it the worst priest album ever uh, we still have a couple of clunkers ahead mm-hmm. of us, but you know, for now, if yeah. during the classic period, which we'll say from '74 to '90, definitely their worst album by far, by far. Yeah. See, yeah. this is ending on a high point. Mm-hmm. Seventh Son, Ram It Down is ending on a low point, <laughs> except for Blood Red Skies. Perfect song for me. You brought up the guitar tones, as I, I didn't even think of the guitar solos. Usually you can distinguish those two guys, KK and Glenn Tipton. On this, they didn't really, I can't really tell who's soloing. I mean, I guess if I opened up the album, it would tell me who's playing what, you know, but I just, um, yeah, it's it's just disappointing. And, and the production yeah. bad enough, but, and the production, doesn't it definitely doesn't help but in my opinion it just sounds like lazy songwriting mm-hmm. uh come and get it uh i'm a rocker love you to death even love zone they could have written they probably could have written those songs in their sleep and probably dead i i just don't i just think they're weak tracks i mean every artist has an album that especially a career as long as judas priest you know mm-hmm. yeah whether it's black sabbath or Le- even led zeppelin or my hero alice you know i was going to mention him right anyway no nothing uh, wrong with that you know they're gonna they're all gonna have an album that doesn't fit discography doesn't mean it's bad but in this case it doesn't fit discography for all the wrong reasons it's just not not a good album anyway if if i could give credit to any other song other than blood red skies i'll have to give it to the opening title track only because it starts off like accepts fast as a shark. Um, and, you know, I, I could I could appreciate Rob's vocal talents. Um, but as far as the material, no. Again, the even the next song, Heavy Metal, the way it begins with a super fast guitar solo. Now, you know, do I enjoy shredding? Absolutely. You know, as I mentioned, I, I love Paul Gilbert. I love Ingve, But there's a difference between playing fast and it meaning something and just playing fast for the sake of playing fast and the notes sound like clumped up shit. 
that gets stuck in a pipe of a toilet bowl. You know, I realize I'm being very harsh right now, but this is what happens when a band I love and, and Priest is in my top 10. But but this is what happens when I, as a fan, do have standards for the bands that I love. You know, like you'll know come firepower how I feel about them. This is substandard. And I think it's symptomatic of the fact that in 88, the heroes of the genre, you know, and I'll say Judas Priest, Ozzy, you know, I'll say Black Sabbath and Kiss, for the most part, lost the plot. Mm. Like, like I will give the Tony Martin era Black Sabbath credit and say those were great albums of great songs. But when you think about it in 88, you got Injustice for All. You got, you know, a Testament releasing albums. You know, Megadeth's already out. You know, Fate's Warning, Queensryche. You got all these newer metal bands creating some of the best stuff of their career yeah and it's it saddens you when you think wow these guys are doing better than the heroes who started the genre like they've taken it to a different level a higher level when you're a band that started the genre and you release substandard material it's heartbreaking Uh, i forgive them for it i totally do because there's so much great stuff that came out after it. But I mean, come on. Are you really going to say that Ram It Down's a better album than Seventh Son of a Seventh Son? I defy you. Uh, Glenn Tipton joined the uh, chat. And Can he he's, type? He's uh, unsubscribing from our channel. Too soon? Yep. And he says, um, you're, you're really not a good guitarist. And what can you say about anything that I do? Oh, I'm shit, Glenn. I can't play what you play. I really can't. He said, what have you done in your career? I play in a band with Wayne Noon, and that's not saying much either. (laughs) Yep. See? Terrible. No, Glenn Tipton is not watching this show. Uh, Big Evil Pop said, uh, about to be blasphemous, he does not care for Judas Priest. That is totally blasphemous, yeah. No, he's he's entitled to feel that way. Man, he doesn't... I I mean... uh, James doesn't care for Iron Maiden. It's all good. I'm kicking him James off the cares chat. for either band either, actually. But anyway. he prefers priests to Maiden at this point. I'm yeah. going to block him from the show. Actually, I don't approve. I'm going to actually. I'm going to report him. Don't be a fascist, Wayne. He's not <laughs> yeah, sending you porn. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, what are we giving Iron Maiden? Seven son of a seven son of a seven son of a seven son of a seven son. Ten. Ten. I'm going to give it a nine. I give it a nine. Nine, nine. And Lou's giving it a 10. Right. I'll I'll give it a nine because I didn't care for prophecy. Nine. Okay. That's why I give it a nine. Ram it down. I'm going to give it a a three. Wow. Lou? One. Ten. (laughs) I was actually being generous. I was giving it a five because I do like some of the songs on there. I do too, uh, but it, it again. If you listen to it as a critic or as as we're doing analyzing it, it it doesn't really hold up very well. No, it, it does not. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's if not I was, a, it's not an album I go to. 
no, I can throw it on and, and kind of enjoy it for what it is. But when I, if I'm listening to it like I did the other day, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just one of my favorite bands. Just sometimes a band artist, I'll name Alice, Lace and Whiskey. As a kid, I hated that album. Now I listen to it and I like it. It's still not my favorite, but I get where he was coming from. You only get Kiss, one Alice. Music uh, from, you only get one Alice Cooper mention. Each I show. get two. Uh, Kiss music from the elder. I kind of get where they're coming from. At the time, I didn't like it, but now I I do. But this album is just whatever. Anyway, that's Wayne, the interesting thing about Kiss, though. You can look back on albums that weren't, you know, after Dynasty, and there is some great material. I like Unmasked. I like I, like, I thought Unmasked had some great songs. I agree. I agree. You know, and and you know, for that what it's worth, doesn't. I I I know it's not a popular album amongst uh diehards, but I like Crazy Nights too. Crazy Nights has got some great songs on it. You yeah. know, I mean, but that's a difference. Yeah, you can bitch and moan about all the keyboards on Crazy Nights, and you know, you can bitch and moan that. Oh, they're going for radio play. Yeah, have you heard of Kiss? Yeah, that's what they do. But um, when has songs, Kiss never gone for radio play? Yeah, exactly. The songs are well written. You know, maybe you can say, "Well, I don't like that style of music," but they're well written. They're well performed. This album, you could tell they just threw it together. Especially a band with Judas Priest's talent to throw something like this together. You know, it it's almost offensive, but. You know, it's Judas Priest, so I forgive him. Anyway, go ahead, Wayne. And uh, Big Evil Pot says, uh, if he was deaf, he'd enjoy Priest. Ah. <laughs> just, he's just taking it way too far right now. One thing, though, is it's I, I would love to eventually do is maybe make a music video out of Blood Red Skies with like some anime footage or uh, Terminator footage. That would work. Hmm. I, actually, an, an anime did reference Blood Red Skies. Uh, in one of them, I forget which one, or it may, it may have been a manga, a, a Japanese uh, comic book. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a nerd, I, so I don't read that stuff, but uh, yeah, go ahead. that's fine. Fuck you. Um, I'm just <laughs> glad that it's, I'm glad it's the one song that survived from this album because it really is a great one. It is, it definitely is. It's the shining moment on that album. Yes. Um, anything else? That's all I got. That's all you got, Lou, uh, Manny. Uh, Lou, I know you got a big show you just uploaded. Yes, I interviewed uh, Mr. Michael Brandvold of Michael Brandvold Marketing and also of uh, Three Sides of the Coin, which is a Kiss-centric podcast. And he also hosts the Music Biz, the Music Biz Weekly podcast. Uh, Michael was a great interview. Part one was awesome. Part two is going to be even better. Uh, we get into a very friendly discussion on um, Kiss you know, in regards to the, the, all right. So flat out, I'm going to give a spoiler alert. My favorite lineup was the lineup that did the unmasked tour that recorded the elder. Hmm. Now in the United States, that was the, probably the least popular lineup of, of kiss because the only American show that they did was at the Palladium in New York City to premiere Eric Carr. And other than that, they did no tour until Creatures of the Night, which, you know, if you read Paul Stanley's book, Face the Music, apparently they were playing to half empty to maybe 
10% full arenas. Some shows they actually canceled. Now, I loved the Ace, Eric, Paul and Gene lineup. But we get into a discussion on the legitimacy of Tommy and Eric using Ace and Peter's makeup. And you know what? It, it's, it's cool because we, we were respectful about it. And, uh, you know, Mike is a very well-educated guy. He's very business-oriented, but he doesn't lose sight of humanity. You know, he gets it, you know, and he's just a really great guy. And I can't wait for people to watch this interview. So, you know, currently editing it as we speak. Very cool. Uh, Manny, what about your girlfriend? What's her podcast? I'm not dating her officially, but uh, she has got uh, her podcast. She's uh, recorded third episode, comes out uh sometime next week it's uh chin up tits out and again it's not music centric it's uh female centric but um again the, these three ladies are great and uh i hope people check it out they should uh it's just a they're just funny chicks so very, very good cool. stuff everybody go check that out and i have some interviews coming up uh and after this it. show i have to do uh, a band called ashes rain uh so they're gonna be doing interview about their band actually he was just in the chat a little while ago um who else do i got i just did an interview the other day with uh infernal majesty our buddy um metal thrashing mike on our podcast network here um and then i also just did an interview with uh speaking to stones so that'll be up pretty soon as well so, what is that speaking to stones speaking to stones it's like a a groove metal type band kind of like uh almost like dream theater maybe a little bit okay. of king's x thrown in there so some cool stuff cool. i think you guys might like it infernal majesty is metal thrashing mike's infernal and, tyrant did i say infernal majesty? Ty- yes because infernal majesty was a melodic death metal band yes, out of australia I got confused i'm sorry yeah that i like them i'm sad that they broke uh-huh. up after one album so you don't like but, mike's uh, band. yeah infernal tyrant you don't like mike's band then What's that? You don't like Mike's band, then. You just like Infernal Majesty. No, I haven't heard Infernal Tyrant. I'd like to hear uh, them. Well, everybody should go listen to Infernal Tyrant. If you like Overkill and like Thrash type stuff, you'll like Infernal Tyrant. I'm sorry, Mike. I pronounced that wrong. But you know what? That's actually getting back at Mike because Mike messed up on our show, too. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. Uh, Wayne, do we have anything coming out soon? No. Okay, nothing to promote. Got nothing it. Nothing to promote yet. Um, what's what else do I gotta do? Oh, please, everybody, do me a favor. When you're in the chat, share this to all your friends on your social medias. Please share the show. I want to see this chat room. We got nine people in here now, and that's a lot of people for us. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> most we've ever had. Thank you. Uh, no, I think we had ten, but uh, <laughs> nine is a good number for us. But please share the show. Get a lot of people in this chat, and uh, yeah, let's get the chats going a little bit better and get some. More people subscribing. Please hit that subscribe button. Uh, like us on all the social medias. Join those as well. We're on everything. And uh, Big, Old, Big Evil Pop said, damn, Lou, you're a damn encyclopedia of music. Yes, he is. And so is Manny. Manny's freaking. Manny's giving me a run for my money. Um, there's one thing also that I wanted to promote. So I got a, a phone call today from my friend Greg Hawk, who um, was in Cold Steel. Yes, he was in Cold Steel. So he oh, knows I hate, Troy I hate North. the singer from that band. Such a dick. <laughs> but anyways, he's in a Rush tribute band now called uh, YY3. And uh, before this pandemic stuff was happening, um, after Neil Peart had passed away, 
we were actually about to do a uh, benefit concert to raise money for uh, cancer research. Um, Unfortunately, we had to put the kibosh on that for obvious reasons. However, he called me today and suggested if we want to try it again. So it is possible that I may be doing a, a, um, a benefit concert, organize it uh, to raise money for uh, cancer research with YY3, have Ratsai Review involved. And uh, we may do a GoFundMe because, you know, renting a venue is going to cost money. Renting a sound guy is going to cost money. And, you know, uh, hopefully I could get some good um, raffle prizes and things like that, you know, to uh, give to people and some incentives to donate. So I'll let you guys know when that comes closer to fruition. But uh, donate zombie Elvis. uh, Zombie Elvis. telling you it's michael myers but you know cancer research is something that's really important to me you know like i've lost family members including my dad to cancer and uh you know i uh it's it's something that hits everybody so you know just want to do a little good for the world in the name of rod style review all right definitely keep us updated and we'll promote it on all the social medias and all that and uh not to end the show on a sad note but um I think I that wanted... was a sad note i'm saying no do this something is... good for it right no that is something good but there is a sad note and i wanted to do this at the beginning of the show but i forgot uh steve grimmett from grim reaper passed away yesterday mm. i was a fan i know there were little i know that a lot of people found them corny or whatever i don't care i liked yeah. them i think a lot yeah. of that happened because of the beavis and butthead uh well like... that and the way they looked i mean they weren't right, of course. yeah but you know what during that time, uh, that album came out in 83. There weren't many bands that were sounding like that. They were more traditional. They weren't trying to be thrash. They weren't trying to be pop. They were more of a traditional band. And uh, they sang about the good things in life, Satan and hell. I mean, uh, good what stuff. What else was there? <laughs> and a lust else. for freedom. Don't forget a lust for freedom. Yeah. And I think, weren't they on a soundtrack to one of the Toxic Avenger movies or anything? Lust for Freedom, which was yeah, a trauma release. Well. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> Their third album was basically the soundtrack to the trauma film called Lust for Freedom. Okay. Well, see, I knew you would know. I, I knew it was something like I that. I guess I am a damn encyclopedia of music. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I, I, my brother had the, their two albums, uh, see, see You in Hell and Fear No Evil, like I said, and, and I enjoyed them. I thought I mean, Nick Bocott is a great guitar player, and I'm glad to see that Nick still has a career in music working with, um, you know, he did Marshall, he worked with Marshall Amplification, he's worked with Sweetwater. He's so. also a writer. He writes, he used to write for Guitar Player, mm-hmm. now Guitar World, Guitar for the Practicing Musician. I actually met him once at a, at, there used to be a place called Thoroughbred that, you know, had, it would be promoting guitar clinics you know how those guitar stores do that guitar center does it too very nice guy very very just a very nice guy but he, he was dressed it's like 88 89 he was dressed in the uh in the grim reaper type gear you know the studs and all that mm. and then you say hello to him he sounds like an english professor <laughs> so, <laughs> don't don't they all yeah um yeah. but yeah steve grimmett was a great singer uh yeah. rest in peace you know and our condolences to his family and loved ones yeah i'll never forget uh you know i, I was back in, when i was younger you know you would just look for those album covers that look cool to you you know you would just right. buy something because of the album cover and that was like one of the albums um rocky to hell 
I thought that had, it was a weird cover. It had uh, some kind of demon guy with a motorcycle going through a No, no, no. That was the other album. That was Fear yeah. No Evil. Yeah, Fear No Evil. But Rocky oh, the Hell was the oh, other yeah, one. Oh, yeah, you're right. It had like a. It's like in the Reaper. forest. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Grim Reaper and a skeleton or whatever. So I, that was cool. You know, to me, back in like, cool. you know, like eight years yeah. old, that's cool. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> cool. <laughs> so that was my first introduction. And then when I saw them on Beavis and Butthead, I was like, oh my God, there's that band. So I've been a fan ever since. So, and actually, they just released a box set of the first three albums. So Good, anybody, it's about time. It's yeah, so if anybody hey, look, the guy those, find them. The guy got his leg amputated and right. he went back and played on tour. Does it get any more metal went, than that? Went no. back, played on tour, started another Grim Reaper band, Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper. Yeah. And then he also joined um, the Three Tremors. And he became the fourth Tremor and went on tour and did some shows with them. That's incredible. That's, that's, cool. that's That guy's cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. rest in peace, Steve Grimmett. And uh, I believe oh, we, that's we it. just got asked oh. a question in the chat. Okay, go ahead. Uh, from Devil Dozer, you guys ever listen to the Iron Maiden tribute band Iron Maidens, or have you heard of them? Yes, I, it's got I, Nita Strauss in it. Nita Strauss was in it. Um, I think they're coming to Wichita, and I might go see him. Yeah, I just tuned in. I was napping. LOL. Uh, yeah, no, the Iron Maidens do a great job of um, uh, you know, playing the songs of Iron Maiden. Um, I think Courtney Cox is an awesome guitar. Not, not. Courtney oh. Cox from Friends. <laughs> oh, you got me all excited. You got me all excited for nothing, man. No, uh, I, Courtney Cox, the guitarist of the Iron Maidens, she's an amazing musician, um, super talented, and uh, very attractive. I'm not going to lie. And um, she's very hot. And uh, she was great in Friends, too. Anyway, go ahead. Wrong Courtney Cox. Um, but if you're in the New York area and you want to check out a great Iron Maiden tribute, check out Live After Death with my buddy Nick Trotty. Great, great band. Yeah, so, yeah they've been around forever. So Yeah, and Sal from Anvil is the bassist in that band. Mm-hmm. Well, formerly of Anvil. So Very cool, very cool. All right, I guess that's it. So subscribe to Rat Sal Review, and we will see you guys next week with more Iron Maiden, or we might have a special interview. I don't know yet. We'll find out. Let you know. See ya. Goodbye. Demonio vida good die young. What? I don't know. Let's try to con- combine demoni and an Iron Maiden reference. Oh. Right. That was bad. Demoni. Very bad. Bye. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including. The flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're We're taking over. over.